Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. In addition, I am, um, remember two weeks ago we talked about uh, the Father and that God is good. Last week we talked about Jesus. Remember that? And Jesus came knowing he was going to die that Jesus Christ came and died for us because Jesus is king. Remember we talked about that last week, that Jesus is king. And uh, so it just, it, just, it just goes to reason that this week we're talking about the Spirit of God uh, and uh, we have a wonderful message planned on the Spirit of God up until 11 o'clock last night. And uh, let me just talk to you a little bit here. <clears throat> um, we're, I'm, 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 I'm in a... Um, uh, like many of you, I'm in, a, I'm in a very rich season. I'm in a rich season, um, and, and that's a word that often uh, we use by faith to say I'm in a confusing season, right? I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a bit of a crazy season. Uh, it's beautiful. It's bewildering. It's taxing. It's stretching. But if God is in it, then it's good. Amen? Um, and uh, uh, I, have, uh, I have been crying out to God for answers. Understanding that God rarely gives us the answers we're looking for, but gives us the answers we need. Uh, and he, he gives us, and he, he's so good, he gives us answers to the question we should have been asking. Um, and so it's important that we talk to him a lot so we get him talking to us a lot so we can get answers. So then when we ask a question, we're like, oh, that's, oh, okay. Because often he'll give us the answer before we ask the question. And later on, we ask the question, we're like, oh, that's what that was about. Okay, now I now I fully get it. Have you walked with God long enough that you've experienced that? Like he, he talks to you and you, like when you're young in the Lord, you think when you're young in the Lord, he's talking to you all the time. Like you're getting all kinds of good stuff and you figure that's always going to happen. Uh, just like, you know, uh, the teacher's always going to be teaching. Uh, and then, of course, we know when we get older, during testing time, the teacher stops talking. Right? And it's important to pay attention when the teacher's talking because the testing time is coming. When we'll have to remember what the teacher said. Right? I mean, and we've all, we've all experienced that. It's, uh, um, th- that's why we tell people to journal a lot. Uh, journal what God is speaking to you, most importantly. It's neat when you're in the seventh grade to have a diary, uh, to write down what you're thinking. When you become grown in the faith, it's important to write down what God is speaking. So that when uh, the testing time comes, you can go back and look over your notes about what the Lord had spoken about this season. Right? Or, this, this, right? We're just reviewing old stuff, right? Because God is good. Uh, even when we're not experiencing His goodness in the present season, we're not realizing or actualizing His goodness in the circumstance we want Him to. God is actually good. He's good and He's bigger than the season that we're in. And sometimes we forget that our season of struggle is still within a good God. And so last night the Lord began um, to talk to me. And, and here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I, I have um, a very polished message for you uh, next week. This week is going to be more of a family talk as Jesus has been talking to me extensively <clears throat> over a very long season. And I'm going to give you some bullet points of what Jesus has been talking to me about uh, as he began to speak to me last night. <clears throat> um, I uh, was in bed last night. My, my wife uh, generally has no problem going to sleep. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite as blessed. Uh, many of you know uh, that I, I, I suffer from insomnia. Uh, and I'm believing the Lord to heal me at some point. And uh, what I have decided to do in my insomnia, every, every night that I have bad insomnia, I, uh, I, I ordain a new bishop. I call it my bishop of insomnia. And uh, whoever I happen to be reading it for in the morning is that night's bishop of insomnia. And I've been reading about um, this, uh, this uh, missionary who's in Africa in the early 1800s. Uh, uh, Matthew, I think, Mofat is his last name. And uh, uh, he's been, and so I, I've been, I've been studying, I've been studying in these times of distress. So many times we'll have these times of distress. Maybe it's a, maybe you're having some spiritual insomnia. Maybe you're having uh, not, not, not lacking sleep, but lacking wisdom, or maybe not lacking sleep, but lacking instruction, maybe not lacking instruction, but lacking direction. And instead of sowing into that season and, and, and drawing from sources, we just kind of fall into depression and do nothing. Uh, it's important that in those seasons of lack, when God isn't, you know, manna isn't raining from heaven, that you do a little bit of farming, 
right? Just because just the bread isn't appearing on the ground doesn't mean you shouldn't be making bread appear on the ground, you know? Plant some seed, water some stuff, ask some people, find out some information, learn, grow, uh, extend yourself, talk to God more than ever. And so I've been trying in the midst of my insomnia in this season to really sow into some good stuff. It's easy to waste, uh, you know, a good two hours of depression on TikTok. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It, oh, y'all are too holy for that, right? Like that wouldn't happen to people in this church. Y'all are like, huh, I'm, I'm feeling discouraged today. Maybe I'll just go feed the poor and pray in tongues for two hours. I know that's who you are. Uh, but you could just sit there and just flip through Instagram for an hour and a half or waste half a day on Reddit, and then you're like, the problem is still there. And you've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing. So now on top of the frustration, uh, you have a little condemnation that you didn't accomplish anything today. Right? That problem is still waiting for you. And so... We want to sow into the, in these seasons of lack, uh, knowing that God is good and will bring a harvest. Amen. So last night I'm reading my Bible, and um, I'm gonna, here, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to share um, a vision the Lord gave me last night. Then we're going to do a quick Bible study of sorts. Then I'm going to give you an interpretation of the vision. Then we're going to pray, and then we're going to go home, all right? That's the plan. I don't, I, don't want to, I, don't want, I don't want you to get your hopes to get too high here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to share a prophetic vision. I'm going to teach on the Word of God. I'm going to interpret the vision, and then we're going to go home. Are we, are we good? Yeah. All right. If you've got your Bible, we're going to crack it open here to uh, Isaiah 61. And while you're doing that, let me tell you about the vision I had. I was reading, I was reading in Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> and in Mark chapter 6, uh, the disciples were out on the, the lake, if you remember, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, the, the, winds got really, the winds got rough. And I've been on that lake. The lake isn't that large. It's certainly nowhere near as large as Lake Okeechobee, which you know, gets as rough as, as most seas. But, um, but it's big enough that you don't want to be caught in the middle of it. And, uh, um, and, and so he's on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, there's a, they're in the boat. And uh, the road, the, the waves started getting really big, and, and the disciples started to freak out a little bit. As soon as I started reading about the story, of course, I've read it before. I'm familiar with the story. And of course, you know, if you have not read it, I encourage you to read uh, Mark chapter 6 to read it, but I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. Jesus is the hero of the story, all right? Let me just, spoiler alert, if you're reading the New Testament, Jesus is the hero, all right? If you're not sure what's going to happen in the end, Jesus is the hero, all right? Uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm reading Mark chapter 6, and as soon as I start reading about this story, I get caught up in a vision. Uh, and in the vision, it was a short one, but it was super significant. I knew what God was speaking, and it, was, uh, it, it really kind of rocked my world, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So in the vision, uh, instantly, uh, I saw the boat that the disciples were in, in the middle of the lake, except there were no disciples in the boat. It was me. I was in the boat, and it was dark at night, and there were waves. Now, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a boater, right? That's not who I am. Uh, most of the early part of my life, I got seasick very easily, like extremely easily, which is um, kind of an uncomfortable truth since I was in the Coast Guard, right? And so, um, so uh, I, I found a way to not be in boats in the Coast Guard, right? I was in helicopters which you also go get motion sickness one. I remember, um, I, 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 I remember once I was on the Coast Guard, I got super, super seasick. I was on, uh, you know, because they have these 40-foot cutters. I was on one of these little 40-footers, and I was, um, uh, I was on it, and the guy who was running the boat was showing me how stuff goes and where these things are and telling me, and all I was thinking about was, like, it got super hot in here, and I'm sweating profusely, and I'm getting dizzy, and I'm about to experience lunch again, right? That's, that's, that's all I can think about. And um, this is a very, very true story. And I'm on the boat, and the guy's talking, and he's talking to me, and uh, I don't care about anything he's saying. Uh, I, just, I just don't want to be that guy, right? right? And so literally, this is a very true story. So literally, I got off the boat and back onto the dock. We were docked the entire time, and I got completely seasick on this 40-foot boat while docked. I am not a boater, is, is, the, is the point of the story here. So, uh, so I'm, on, I'm in this boat in the Sea of Galilee, and it's dark, and it's rough, and I'm sitting there by myself. Instantly, I see the beach. And on the beach, Jesus is on, he's on um, the beach, and it looks similar to ours, but it, it wasn't. And maybe I had the picture of that um, seashore that I saw when I was in Israel. But uh, I then saw Jesus... 
walk from the sand and begin to walk uh, into the ocean toward me. And then the vision ended. All right. That was a whole vision. And in that, I'm going to share this message. I'm going to try to keep it together because the Lord has touched me. And I believe he's going to touch you as well. Isaiah chapter 61, we're just going to do a quick Bible study is what we're going to do today. And I believe the Lord is going to meet us in our, in our efforts. I put all my little things in my other Bible here. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to read it off my tablet here. Isaiah chapter 61, starting in verse 1. This is the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, he's not talking about himself. He's prophesying about a better time. The book of Isaiah was written by the prophet. and It's important to understand it was written in a time after Israel lost their homeland. This was not a people who were ruling and reigning. This is a people who had been conquered and driven out of their own country. They were a maligned people. They were a marginalized people. They were a people that God had used to conquer a land and to establish a covenant, but they weren't there anymore. They lost it. They lost everything. They were on top of the world. They had their own kingdom. They had dominated the kingdoms around them, but now the Babylonians had come and had driven them out of their land. They're like, what people ever had such a miraculous story as us? God had never chosen a people for himself, and then he chose us, and then we lost it all. And I don't know if you've ever lost anything after the Lord had given it to you. I don't know if there's a promise that maybe you have forfeited or um, possibly there are promises you hadn't seen yet. Maybe you were, had a season of expectation and now you're mourning. But the Spirit of the Lord comes on the prophet Isaiah and he begins to write about a time coming in the future, about a man who would come in the future. And he says about this man, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion. He's talking about us, our people. This is what he's saying, our people, our people who are hurting right now. This is, this is, this is a prophet speaking the word of God to marginalized people, to people who are on the bottom, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, we focus on a lot of things in this passage when you hear it taught. Uh, often it's, 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 it's this verse uh, 1 about the Spirit of the Lord being on me, or maybe uh, verse 2 where he's talking about that I'm going to preach and do great things. I want us today to partially focus on this third verse as we talk a little today. And the promise here <clears throat> is that the Spirit is going to come and do something new in the midst of God's people. That the Holy Ghost of God is going to come upon someone in such a way that it changes the mental health of a maligned people. That it begins helping people who are in an economy that is afflicting them and they will come out better. That by the Spirit and this man cooperating, that God himself will come and change the fortunes of a whole people, will change the fortunes of a whole generation, that will come and change the outlook of an entire group of people, and that will affect how those people see themselves and how they will relate to God. And in the end, he says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness, the planting of, of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see, I told you before, when we read this New Testament and we read the stories in the Bible, that Jesus is the hero. Amen? 
in here, this prophet gives this word to these people like you were God's people. You had everything. You had your own kingdom. You had your own economy. You had your own armies. You had the temple. You had the, you had the word called the Torah. You, you had it all and you blew it because you did not use it all to glorify God. You forgot what it was all about. You weren't planted. Now, when I was in California, um, we have these redwood trees in California. I lived there for a little while, and these trees are ridiculously large and immovable. In, in most of the world, these immovable trees are oaks. An oak tree is, is wood that is not broken easily. Trees don't fall down easily. If you're making quality furniture, you might use oak because you want it to last. It's heavy. It's thick. It's hard to move. I had a friend one time I helped move who really liked wooden furniture. <clears throat> Anybody not like those friends? I like the Ikea friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I really like the friends who just put all their clothes in garbage bags and then we just move those. Uh, that's, that's my kind of people to move right there. <clears throat> but my friend had a, a solid wood furniture. I imagine Corey and some of the rest of you remember this. Uh, and he decided that it would be okay for us to move the wooden furniture while still filled with clothes. Uh, that was an immovable object, and uh, we were less than happy uh, with, with that. God was not glorified in anything that was said. <clears throat> Once we discovered this was still full. <clears throat> but here's what he's saying to the people in Israel. He's like, man, we got established... And y'all forgot that it was about God. One day, God is going to come and, 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 and do it again. And he says, here's the point I want you guys to get. We need God to save us. We need God to save us. You see, once they had conquered the land, they considered themselves more than conquerors. Not that we can be conquerors. Not that through God we can conquer, but they started getting in their identity that they were the conquerors. And that somehow God was kind of the, the side object. F follow what I'm saying here, if you would. Uh, God was the one uh, who had given them the idea, of course, and God had given them a little favor in how to do it. And, uh, you know, when they had the battle, of course, they needed God's help. But now that they've overcome, God not so important. God is kind of a player in this whole thing, but now we've got it established. It's not as important. And all throughout Israel's history, God had sent prophets over and over and over and over again and said, hey guys, the reason you're here is because of God. You might want to include him in the plans. You might want to listen to what he's saying. You might want to keep following because if you don't, you're going to lose the grace that's keeping you here. Consider your ways, the prophets would say. Consider how you consider God. Seek Him while He may be found, they would say. And yet they, they just didn't. Until the Babylonians came and stole their land, enslaved their people, drove them out, defiled their temple. Then, the prophets began to prophesy again. Hey guys, we need God to save us. <clears throat> Today, <clears throat> before we get saved, before we're before we meet Jesus, I, 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 met, um, I, I met some just really wonderful young people at my uh, daughter's birthday party recently, and, um, and uh, they were just telling me the testimonies of them coming to meet Jesus and talking about how they kind of grew up going to church, but then they got saved and became Christ followers. You remember that? You remember when you went from just being a person who went to church and knew about God to being someone who was actually a Christ follower? You remember that shift? You remember the excitement? You remember? And they're just excited. They're just excited that like, hey, guess what? The Bible actually, you know, means something, right? It's not just verses that we memorize, uh, but there's actually life in this thing. And, and you meet some new believers and they start talking. They start to just preach to you, right? New believers, want because, because the information is new and it's fresh and to them it's still relevant, 
right? Because they're conquering and there's obstacles to be overcome and there's new worlds to explore and there's promises to redeem. And they're just telling you, man, like there's, there's new, there's fresh, there's exciting, there's freedom, there's life. And you're like, oh, that's so cute. And you want to pat them on the head. Like, oh, that's so cute. I'm so excited. Like, like I remember when I first got saved and I would see someone who had like a Christian, uh, 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 like a license plate on the front of their car, you know, like a little Jesus fish. And I figured, you know, I'm saved, you're saved. Let's just talk about Jesus, right? And so I would just see him, oh, you're a Christian, I'm Christian. I just got to say, and so I just walk up to their car and just start talking about Jesus. Hey, don't you love him? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? So I'm just on fire for God. I just want to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about, you know him. I met him too. Let's talk about him, right? And so after a while, um, you know, uh, uh, you, then you know him. After a while, you know him, you, 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 you've conquered the land and you get a little comfortable. Hello. <clears throat> And, uh, and, uh, and then, like, uh, Israel, we're like, hey, wait a minute, how'd, you, how'd we get here? How, how did we get here? We had our own land that we had conquered. We, we, um, we had our own temple. We, we had the, the holy place that we visited regularly. Uh, we were in the place of prayer all the time. Like, everything we did was according to God's will and God's way. And um, I'm not sure how I got into this place. And I'm not sure if it's good or it's bad, but, but, but here we are. But God is faithful in his promise to the people in Israel, particularly, and so he sent Jesus. And uh, on, on, on the day that Jesus showed up, he came into his ministry. The Bible says that he was baptized in the Jordan. I hope you all are following me here. I'm just trying to talk out of what, what God is speaking to me. So God, he had been baptized in the Jordan, right? He came, the Bible says that then he went out into the desert uh, where the Spirit had led him for testing I got to tell you, so, so there's some people in this room, like the anointing you're seeking is on the other side of this testing you're going through. Don't, don't shortchange the testing. Don't find something to get you out of the desert. Don't, don't, don't find a shortcut. Don't find an oasis in the desert. Let the Lord keep you in the desert till the anointing of God comes upon you that you can come out in the spirit of the Lord. I'm, 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 I'm preaching from where Carl is living right now, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to put something on you. I'm not trying to make something up. I'm trying to tell you, Jesus followed the Spirit into the desert so that he could follow the Spirit into power. And so he comes out of the desert, the Bible says, uh, and he walks into the synagogue. Not at the temple, yet he's at the synagogue. And he's in Nazareth where he was raised. Luke chapter 4, we find this. Uh, and they go into the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus was a good Jew. Jesus, like, modeled life for us. Jesus, like, he, he, Jesus lived a religious life. We, we use the word religion, it's kind of bad. We look at it like, oh, the Pharisees. But, but, but religion is neither good nor bad. There is bad religion, there's good religion. We know the Bible tells us there's true and perfect religion. But Jesus was religious, went to the temple, read the scriptures, prayed the prayers, discipled, fed, did stuff, right? So here he is at the synagogue, verse 17 of the book of Luke in the fourth chapter. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what we just read out of Isaiah 61. This is the prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Send me to proclaim release the captives, recover sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Close the book. And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. To say amen. amen. Let me ask you this. Was that, that scripture, it says it was fulfilled, but is it finished? The scripture was fulfilled when Jesus showed up on the scene, but was it finished? That's the question. We can subscribe to a version of Christianity that says once we come into the promised land, the scripture is finished. Instead of just being fulfilled. Now, if I got a prophetic word from the Lord that I was going to marry a beautiful woman who was going to be my help meet, that, that was going to pray for me in tough times and raise my children and keep a nice house and, uh, and, and, and just be my, my, my arm candy, right? Like, and then I receive Tracy, right? And we get married. The word is fulfilled, but is it finished? Hopefully it's not finished on your day of marriage. The word could be fulfilled, but that don't mean it's finished. But so often we act that it's finished when it's, it's not finished. It's just fulfilled. And so Jesus 
saves us. And we go from that kid who is experiencing the, the kingdom and experiencing the goodness of God and telling people about him and bringing people to the place of life and experiencing God in public afresh to that guy who says, oh, that's pretty cute. This is new to you, isn't it? There was a, um, a study that was done um, 15 years ago. It came out. Uh, and this man was trying to examine uh, what the teens believed about God around that day and age. Uh, what, what do you believe? And this is in America. What do you believe about God? And he came up with a term for the God that most teens in America believed in. And this is what he called it. He called it moralistic, therapeutic deism. Are you able to put that away? That, well, we don't need all that. We just needed the first point there. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Let me say it one more time. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. That means I have a God. I believe in a God. And there is a moral code, but it's mostly therapeutic. And this is, this is what this breaks down. There were five points to this moralistic, therapeutic deism. Are you, you all still with me? Okay, the first thing that he articulated was, number one, a God exists. A little reflow action, here we go. I feel it in my spirit. Nope. The first point of moralistic, therapeutic. All right, copy and paste it, put it there, and then give me some uh, reflow it, all right? Number one. A God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. All right, so they believe that there is a God, and they do believe that he created the earth, and they believe that he just, you know, he kind of watches over human life. But number two, God's main point for us is God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, the central goal of life, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it. I feel it back there. I see Soana typing away and working at it. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. You see where this is going. So we believe, number one, that there is a God who created and ordered the world, and God does want us to be good. But what good mostly looks like is, you know, central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. Number four, God doesn't need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. So God is there as kind of a problem solver to make me happy. His main goal is to make me happy, and when I'm not happy, that's when I need God. And number five, Good people go to heaven when they die. This is what he came up with after surveying thousands of teens in America about what they're learning in church or from their friends or from religion about God. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. This is popular religion today. God is relevant when you have a problem. And when you don't have a problem, you don't necessarily need God. The problem is, when you don't need God, you got a problem. There is the problem. And so I have been in this journey, this theological journey, and for those of you who are theologians out there or study to be theologians or want to actually know God on more than just what sounds good to you, right, more than you hear on TBN, uh, we're going to have to study and kind of figure out some stuff, like what is the truth about God? Because this is what the world is coming after. They're coming after the truth about God. Jesus prayed, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. But what happens when you're taught that the word has been mistranslated? And uh, that doesn't really mean what you think it means. It actually means that everybody should be happy. That if it violates anything that makes everybody happy, it's hateful. If it doesn't actually make me feel good about myself and the things that I want and my desires, then all of a sudden the word can't be trusted. And what do we have left? Our feelings. And if my feelings are the 
compass for my life, then what do I actually need Jesus for anyways? Now, we would all say that that is kind of the new age version of religion these days. I don't actually need God until I actually need God, and I only need God when I want something. <laughs> Let me tell you the Christian version of that. Let me come after some charismatics right now. Me, us, our family, us Pentecostals. Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus saved me. Did Jesus save you? Yes. He saved me. Now, Jesus done saved Carl, like for sure, for sure, right? For sure, he done saved Carl. Carl got, any people, people who don't know Jesus, only one know Jesus, know Carl got saved, right? Like, it's, there's a difference, right? There's a difference. Carl got saved. Carl got really saved. And what happens is when you get saved in Pentecostal charismatic world, the next step is to get water baptized and get, get the Holy Ghost. Amen? The next step is to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Can anybody say amen? amen. Yeah, that's your next step. Why do we get filled with the Holy Ghost? And they will tell you so that I can do the works of Jesus. Because Jesus lived as, an ex as a man to give me an example of what I could do once I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, then what you need Jesus for anymore? Because his word not only has been fulfilled, it's finished. Under that entire frame of reference. I don't need Jesus. I already got the Holy Ghost. And since the Holy Ghost leads me, wherever I seem to be wanting to go is God's will. It's a Christian form of moralistic, therapeutic deism. I'm here to let you know, we need Jesus. We need Jesus for show, for show. We need Jesus. We need Jesus today. I mean, maybe you're in the promised land right now and you're watching the enemies fall a thousand by your left and ten thousand by your right. Maybe you are on top of the mountain and the Father Himself is handing you tablets with His will for your life. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Maybe you can pray for me after service. But I tell you what, you still need Jesus because there's going to come a time that the oppression is coming, that the warfare is coming, that 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 that, that depression is coming. Grief is coming. Anxieties are coming. And Jesus said about himself in uh, Luke chapter 4, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Poverty may be coming. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. You may feel bound up in something that you can't get free from. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. And what I have found is there is no more blind people in America than religious people. Religious people are the most blind because they think they see everything. They think they know everything. I mean, there's people who didn't finish high school who know more about the vaccine than people who went to college for it. I'm like, come on, somebody. Like, come on. How do you think you know everything? Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, it's finished in your life. You're done learning. You done got saved heard some Bible at a church, and now you know everything. You know more than Jesus, because Jesus asked questions. Hello, I'm not trying to be angry here. I'm just trying to say, we need to stay at a place to recognize we don't know everything. We don't know everything. We need to be humble enough to say, man, I need Jesus to give me some knowledge I wouldn't know on my own. Not the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That ain't talking about you. You know who that's talking about? Jesus. And we need the anointed one in our lives regularly. We need to encounter him in his word. We need to encounter him in the spirit. We need to stay at a place that we recognize. If I'm on the mountain right now, it's because Jesus don't put me on the mountain. If I'm in the valley, I need Jesus to hold my hand and get me up out of this valley. If I'm going from here to there, I need Jesus to be lighting my footsteps so I don't get lost on this path. Come on, somebody. I need Jesus. I need the man Jesus to save me again. Hello, somebody. Okay. <clears throat> the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we have reduced that to a salvation scripture. Let me say that one more time. We have reduced that verse to a salvation scripture. And we are lost in our lives 
Not understanding why we're not affecting the culture. Not understanding why we can't get ahead financially. Not understanding why people ridicule us. Not understanding why so many believers are trapped in depression and anxieties. And our families might be falling apart. And we don't understand that we need to call upon the name of the Lord so we can be saved. Can you say amen? That's what happens. We need to call upon the Lord. Lord Jesus, I need you to save me. I believe you fulfilled the scripture, but I need you to finish it in this, this circumstance that I'm in right now. Mm. I was on a, I was in the city of David in Israel. I've told this story so many times. I was in the city of David and they found where David's, they finally figured out most likely where his uh, actual uh, palace was. And I'm standing there looking and just like, the Bible is coming alive to me. And you can see the Garden of Gethsemane up here on the hill. The valley, the Kidron Valley, Valley of Shadow of Death. You can see where he was talking about walking through. Steep on both sides. Here to the left. To, from here to Yamato, basically. You can see uh, the temple. See the, you see the temple wall. and uh, You can see the literal path. You see the the eastern gate. You see where Jesus came down, where he was arrested. You see where he came into the, into the temple riding that donkey. I mean, you just, you just, you just, into, the, into the city. You just see. You see the whole thing. And, um, and I'm there with a bunch of people who are like, I recognize. I was like, man, people are waiting for him to do it. And he did it already. Like, he actually did that. He actually came in through the eastern gate. People are waiting for stuff to happen that already happened. He came in through the eastern gate as the king. And the fire fell on Pentecost 50 days, 50 days after. And the spirit came. And I was convicted in my heart because I've been praying for Pentecost ever since. Now, I don't experience Pentecost. I, I, I try to live in Pentecost. I... If you haven't experienced it, I hope you do. Next week, we're going to pray for the baptism of the Spirit for everybody who needs it. But um, I started asking this question. As I was looking at this valley, is Jesus done? Like, he was crucified, resurrected from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sent the Spirit. Now we're here with the Spirit. What's Jesus doing other than praying? What's he doing? You know what Jesus is doing? <sighs> so I'm in my bed last night. <sighs> Corey, can you come up and play a little bit? I'm sorry for this awkward uh, silence here. I'm just trying to keep it together. <sighs> okay. What's, what's, what's Jesus doing? Well, number one, he's not doing nothing if you're not calling on him. But I'm sitting, sitting in my bed last night, reading Mark chapter 6, sitting in a boat, And Jesus is coming to save me. <clears throat> In his first public sermon, Jesus said, <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus is saying, this better be describing your life. Because those are the people I'm coming to rescue. 
And if it's finished for you, you may not cry out again until you're in Babylon. But if you want to stay in the land of promise, you better stay poor in spirit. You better mourn. Better be gentle. You better hunger and thirst for righteousness. And as I have studied Jesus, I've been, the year 2021, Jesus spoke to us, come and learn of me. Jesus comes for the hurting. And so we get saved. We encounter God. And he changes our lives completely. And for a season, we turn our back to the world because that's the only way we know to get right, to get worked out, to get healed and to get clean. But at some point, if you know Jesus, you better turn your heart back to the world. You better be able to see the people who are hurting and say, I hurt with you. You better be able to identify with some people who are mourning. God forbid you actually fall in with people who mock the hurting, mock the immigrant, mock the poor. But Jesus is saying, listen, you turn back to them. You go to them and you don't help them. You become one of them because those are the people I'm coming to save. Those are the people I'm coming to save. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I don't know, maybe you had an experience in youth camp or maybe, maybe a couple years ago you had an encounter and ever since then you've, you know, you've known the Lord. But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you this is, this is not a finished word. This is a fulfilled word in your life. But it ain't finished. <laughs> I'm just wrecked. And I'm wrecked thinking that Jesus is, is coming out on the water to save me. Because we need a Savior. Boca needs Jesus. America needs Jesus. This world needs, needs Jesus. Stand with me if you would. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, I'm <clears throat> come back next week. It'll be a whole lot prettier, maybe. <clears throat> um, we need Jesus. And friend, I want to invite you today. If you're at a place where you don't need Jesus, you need Jesus. You need Jesus more than you thought. And he's come to open the eyes of the blind. And he's come to open hearts. Father, oh Jesus. Oh Father. We love you and I pray that you would forgive us <clears throat> forgive us Lord for thinking that your word is finished when it's simply fulfilled Lord we know we pray again and again that we can be your hands and we can be your feet without recognizing that those hands and those feet have nails driven through them and as we talked about dying last week, dying to our will so that your will could be done, I pray by your spirit that we can identify with your heart, your love, 
and those who are hurting. Wow. I want to pray for those who need Jesus. There's some people today, you're going through some stuff. And I don't know if I don't know that you need salvation, but I know you need saved. And Jesus, in the most kind and gentle way that has caused me to die for about two years now, let me know that I still need to be saved. And He's the Savior who wants to save me. And so I'm coming here today. I'm coming here today, not not as someone standing on the hill saying, y'all sinners need Jesus. I'm coming here today as a man at the altar who has the Savior on the inside of him. Someone who's being saved. Say, come, be saved. Come, be saved. If that's you today, I just want to welcome you to the altar right now to pray. Just come and kneel at the altar and the Lord is going to save you from some oppression. He's going to save you from some confusion. He's going to save you from the delusion that you don't need a Savior any longer, that it's finished in your life. And He's going to open up for you the nearness of the Lord. He's coming for you today. He's walking out onto the water And I don't know that the seas are going to get calmer. I don't know that the night is not going to be dark. But I do know you will not be there alone. You will be there with the one who illuminates paths and brings comfort to the morning and gives sight to the blind. And if you're blind in this season and confused in this season, if you feel alone in this season, there is a living God who brings comfort, who brings assurity, who brings love and brings healing. And I'm here to tell you today, cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. He is still saving. He is still saving. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. We love you this morning, Jesus. And we say, come Jesus, come save. Come save. I am still in need of a Savior. I've not graduated from you. I've not moved on from what I need from you. I've not, I've not matured from needing your precepts and your ways and your salvation. Jesus, come today and rescue me. I believe that you alone are the Messiah. You alone are the way to God. You alone are truth. You alone are life. And I need you to be my God today. Wash me clean from my sins. Wash me clean from thinking that I can make my own path that I know my own way, that I can illuminate my own steps. Lift the heavy lift the heavy burden, Jesus. Lift the heavy burden, Jesus. Allow me to mourn with those who mourn. Heal my heart. Set me free, Jesus. We love you today. We love you today. We love you today. I'm going to ask some of my prayer team to come forward. Thank you. Father, we thank you so much that you're moving in this place, that you are encouraging us, Father, that you are reminding us that you are our Savior. And you care about every struggle we deal with, Lord. Jesus. I declare blessing over every person in this place. In Jesus' name. If you would like to... Just come to the altar. Feel free to. If you would like to receive prayer, you can come up to the front. There are people that will pray for you. I just want you all to be encouraged that God is moving and he's working in this place. Um, Please join us again next Sunday. We're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit. 
And if you haven't been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need to be here so you can get filled. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. We will be here up at the front praying. There will also be people out in the lobby, um, greeters, and grab a uh, flyer so you can get your school supplies to bless the children at City House. God bless you. Have a great week. The altar is open. We're just going to allow the Lord to continue to move. You can hang out in this place or you can go outside.